welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I'm your host, Kit Bodner, the Chief Marketing Officer at HubSpot. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the Chief Marketing Officer over at Zapier. And we're coming to you, minds blown, out of breath, completely excited about what's happening in the world of AI. AutoGPTs and OpenAI are sending the world reeling. We're going to talk about what AutoGPTs are, the impact they're going to have on growing your business and doing the marketing tasks that you need, how they are forcing companies like Google to reinvent themselves. We've got some fresh, fresh data about AI and AI adoption from Scale AI that we can't wait to share with you, as well as some rumors about what's happening with Meta's push into AI. If you're a startup and you have big growth dreams, you need the right CRM platform. That's HubSpot. I want to tell you all about HubSpot for startups. It's our program where you can get up to 90% off your HubSpot subscription. You need to increase leads. You need to boost revenue. You need to improve your customer's experience. HubSpot for startups helps with all of that. Plus, you'll get 24-7 customer support and integrations from more than 1,500 of today's most popular apps. I almost forgot. There's a complete collection of amazing resources to help you learn and get better at your craft. HubSpot is trusted by some of the best startups in the world and is used by over 200,000 customers around the globe. To see if you're eligible to join the HubSpot for Startups program and take your growth to the next level, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. There is so much we have to talk about, Kieran. My head is spinning with what's happening oh, in the world right GBTs now. are the hot new thing. Everyone is going to be talking to you about these. We aren't just happy with having like one super intelligent assistant. We humans <laughs> want to like thread and connect all these things together because we're so lazy. We don't even want to have to come up with the prompts. We just want to like <laughs> have all these things do all of the work for us. So Kieran, first, I want you to tell everybody what auto GPTs are, high level, how they work. And then I had a terrifying revelation over the weekend that I will share as a follow-up We're going to get into this because I actually have it running on my laptop right now. And so I was listening to a, an incredible interview by a, an AI scientist, a very well-known AI scientist. And he talked about the fact that for years and years and years, researchers have said there is like three fundamental things that humans should not do when they're deciding to develop like AI superpowers or just AI. And he said, you should never teach the AI about humans because it will learn to manipulate the humans. You should never teach the AI how to code because if they learn to code, that unlocks like the ability to self-improve. And you should never give AI access to the internet, right? And so... <laughs> we have failed. We have failed. Auto GPT like take all of that, which GPT like through plugins had access to the internet could code, but it takes all of that and it accelerates it because it gives it memory as well. And so you can give AutoGPT a goal. Actually, you end up giving it five goals. You give it a kind of mission and then you give it five core goals to complete. And what it does is it starts giving itself tasks and it starts offloading those tasks to other GPT agents who actually run for you. So I've got a version of it running on the laptop right now to build us an outline for this show. And I give it a bunch of different goals. Go research things, find expert point of views, like go tell me their LinkedIn profiles. And it's recursively giving itself like all of these different prompts to go do that work. And so you can imagine in the future, I can just give this thing a goal and then I don't really have to worry about anything else after that. It goes and just starts to... you just going to go sit yeah, on the beach, sit, sit you on know? The beach. It out. starts to like work with all of the other GPT agents to actually fulfill that goal. And I will say that a lot of what I'm seeing online, like in terms of the examples, I think are cherry picked because I can tell you it is, very, it is still very yeah. hit or miss. Hold on. Before you get into the examples, I want people to understand the auto GPT is it's not a company. Right. It is some code 
that was released open source on a platform called GitHub, which is where developers can basically store code, share code, build on each other's code. And so somebody posted this auto GPT code as an experiment, and it quickly skyrocketed to the most popular code repo on GitHub. And so it's not like you can go use AutoGPT from some company. It's like you have to be a developer, install AutoGPT, run the code, do all those things. So it is still far, far away from prime time from a user experience standpoint. And you're also, I think, trying to make the point that a lot of the use cases that people are showing are still like very cherry picked. And there's a lot of stuff that auto GPTs aren't even close to being good at yet. Is yeah, like I going? gave it some tasks over the weekend and it got stuck in recursive loops. And also the output is like wishwashy, mm-hmm. but there are some really cool ones. Like someone built a to-do app and this is really cool because you add your like to-do item to the list. And as soon as you add it to the list, auto GPT kicks off and starts like completing that task for you. So you just like, it's a self-completing to-do list. So I saw one, which is kind of like going back to what I said, now it has access to the internet and it can actually store memory and write Python scripts. I saw one where yes. it was recursively improving and debugging its own code. And I've done that for writing where I've told it to write me an article or edit me something and then correct itself and do better. And it will do that. And it's doing that for code. I've seen examples for customer service, like not implemented yet, but like mapped out, which you just give it the goal to give everyone a five-star customer service experience. Then it will start to recursively go and like read through tickets and get back to people via emails and like start to yes. actually ensure that it has like given everyone that adequate of a service. So some of the potential use cases for this, if you thought ChatGPT was pretty disruptive, like this is pretty incredible because you are actually going one level up in terms of the ways that you can set those goals and you can give it bigger and more complex things to actually go complete. I love that. And when people talk about auto GPTs, they also talk to them as baby AGIs. You know, they talk about it as basically the front runner to real artificial intelligence where the AI can think, feel, have emotion, all those kinds of things. And so I was like reading about this stuff this week in Kieran. I just got kind of sad because I was like, I don't know. Do we need machines to have that much emotion? And maybe it's just me as a human. I'm not sure that emotion is a feature and not a bug in humans. Well, did you see the Sunjer CEO of Google 60 Minutes interview? Oh my gosh, the, the, the 60 Minutes just PR tour? It's like, dude, you're late to the AI game in terms of commercializing the technology because I think you're scared. And so you're going on a 60 Minutes media tour? Yeah, I saw but that. But I think he is crazy. scared. And let me tell you why he's scared. So he said something like he very interesting in that interview, which is he was asked, like, so you do not understand how these things work. And his reply was, well, we don't really understand how the human brain works either. And I'm like, well, the human yes. brain for the most part in our history has not yet destroyed us. And we do not know if this new entity will or not. But one of the fascinating things I heard about over the weekend in relation to AI. There's this essay called Meditations on Mulok, and it's a metaphor for destructive systems, which really kind of is how incentives <laughs> leads to suboptimal results for all, right? And so I'll give, give you an yes. example. Yeah, this is, my, this is an I incredible example. Life. And again, I'm stealing it from that interview that I saw on Lex Friedman, which is Instagram filters. He gave a great example of Instagram filters, which is everyone was on Instagram and then they integrated filters. And then a certain percentage of influencers would use filters to start to make themselves look better to grow their audience. That leads to suboptimal results because yes. then everyone is forced to use filters to run the influencer play. And then everyone, it's all normalized and the world is a worse off place because now we have these unrealistic expectations on what people should look like to grow their following. So everyone loses in that situation. And I think what's happening to Google 
is they may actually be like, this is way too quick. Like he actually had lots of parts of that interview where he's like, this may be too fast. We're trying to be a little bit thoughtful because we don't think humans are ready for this. But they're being forced into the game because ChatGPT yeah. has completely transformed how people want to use those tools, like search for things. And that's Google's core business. And so people are getting dragged into the race and hopefully it will not be like suboptimal results for humans. Well, what you just described also is marketing in a nutshell, right? A marketer figures out some strategy, some tactics that works and works really well. Right. Then everybody copies and it and then it stops exactly. working really well, right? Like that's basically what our society is. And that's why you and I obsess about being first movers, right? Because when you have a first mover advantage, especially in something like marketing, you can take advantage of as much time as possible of that new strategy, that new tactic before it right. normalizes, right? And what we're arguing is that there might be some extreme normalization and downside use cases with AI, potentially. We don't know. But what we do know is that with this technology, I believe it is going to completely transform how we think about marketing, sales, customer support. You already gave like, the goal of auto GPTs being able to be customer support agents. What I want to hear from you, Kieran, is if you're a marketer today, what do you think something like auto GPTs are going to do for you over the next 6, 12, 18 months? Like, what are the, the I think it'd be better. Things? So I give it a project over the weekend to research a topic, to break down that topic into like different subtopics and kind of go through all of the places that I could create content that would be differentiated than what existed today and give me summaries for those pieces of content and then tell me like one unique thing I should have in that content to make it more shareable. And the results were pretty awful, but actually I think in the future, if that gets better, it's just replaced a bunch of work that has to happen across a bunch of different teams today. So you can like thread things together in really cool ways. And so I think in marketing, you can go from, first of all, you can go from persona research, like really craft the persona to like the mm -hmm. strategy for that persona to the summary of how I build those different playbooks and then actually to I how I that. would implement them. And the other thing I started to do was I said to it, give me the top hundred ways that famous SaaS brands have grown their business, like top of the funnel for customer acquisition tactics. Then I said to categorize them by tactic, then to summarize it. And then I said, give me the top 10 and find me 10 people on LinkedIn because I wanted to see if it could like understand people. Find 10 people on LinkedIn that I can call up and ask about those tactics because they have done them before or they are experts in those things. Like provide me the LinkedIn profiles and then write me a draft email to be able to send to that person to introduce myself and actually ask them for some advice around these tactics. Now, I will tell you, I, say, I think go? that you will actually be able to do that within the next year maybe within the next six months. I agree to, with that. How did it go? It got stuck in a recursive loop. And the weird thing is it started opening up like lots of browsers on my on my laptop, <laughs> like this so far. And it started like scrape. It looks like it's like analyzing the content. And I'm like, what is it doing here? And you can see like, it's like opening this thing, tried this thing. But it's mm -hmm. like, you can thread together entire workflows in a very seamless way. That is the magic. If you are running a business, you're running a marketing team and you're thinking about the future of AI, especially auto GPT-like technology, what you're saying is AI is going to be able to string together lots of different tasks in a workflow and automate those in a way that really could only ever be done by a human before. And it'll be able to automate them. And in some cases, I think right. do it much faster 
than a human, which is pretty magical. And I think Kieran gave you some great examples around research positioning, I think, like generating rough drafts of plans, all of that kind of stuff. Because at some point, we are going to use auto GPTs, I believe, to figure out the new horizons where we want to invest, say like, what is everybody else doing? And what is a viable strategy that's not what everybody else is doing, which is something that Kieran and I believe deeply. And I think we are going to end up having to use auto GPTs to differentiate from all of the normalization that they create, which is going to be interesting. We'll be right back. But let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team Al and Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is packed with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Kieran, I want to get your feedback on something as it relates to this. I sent a tweet out earlier today, and I want to see if you agree with me or not. You ready? I said marketing now versus in the future. And this is as it relates to AI and auto GPTs, et cetera. I said, today, we think a lot about content marketing. In the future, we're going to have ultra micro web apps that replace a lot of the content we create. Today, we have templates where we start with a PowerPoint template or a template for our budget. All of those things that we either use or give away to our prospects, those are going to turn into prompts. I said, right now, we obsess about graphical user experience websites. And that's going to turn into chat user experience websites. And today, marketing is all about how do you personalize the experience. And in the future, marketing is going to be all about how you create segments of one that because of all of this advancement in this technology, you're going to be able to create a very specific thing for each individual person that you are trying to market to versus some kind of rough high-level personalization. You agree? Disagree? Did I leave Ten anything out? Prompts, yes. One-to-many, so one-to-one, yes. Like everyone gets the concierge experience. Chat website, let me throw in more crazier version of that, which is... Oh, yes, please. Which is, I, I think crazy. you may want the combination of both those things. But actually, if you look at some of the I examples from AutoGBT, what you actually could get is a chat experience that could just say, okay, can I look at the homepage? And it will just like build whatever homepage you want for that website based upon what your needs. So you would like say oh, like I have these questions about that and I would like to see it in a webpage. And I could just create the webpage on the fly for your brand so everyone can get a one-to-one webpage, right? Well, what you're saying is that the segment of one and the website idea could merge and that you could have a million different versions of your website. I completely believe that. And that's mind-blowing. That you could go from a website that a whole team of people work on for most companies now for like one homepage and say, yeah, instead of one homepage, I'm going to have a million like homepages. The website, the Zapier website could be whatever that person needs that website to be. Yes. So they're, they're in the crazy? chat on the right-hand side. They get the web page built and they click around and say, okay, I don't want that web page. I want a different web page. There are tools that are building that. 
the, the, where's a world where the web page also, that homepage or the product page right. changes yeah, as they chat. Knows their... that, that the chat interaction with the AI is, is a type of prompting and the content dynamically changes on the web page exactly. based on that chat. So what, what you're arguing is that we're going to have a chat user experience and a graphical user experience in parallel, in parallel. with each other. So it's all probably the same better. experience I think that's and right. it's personal to you. The one that I don't know about, but you can explain to me is content to micro apps because I want to read my newsletter. Why would I replace that with a app? Well, I think it's not 100%, but I think that there's a lot of times that people so, okay, Just one quick thing. Business. It's opening up my f***ing <laughs> Nord password thing. <laughs> Let me just see what, what? it's doing. Auto GPT is, is ruining your computer. I just want to make computer. sure it's not logging into my f***ing Nord password <laughs> I think it might be, you know. <laughs> Auto GPTs are not ready no, for prime okay, time. Sorry. Please experiment at your own risk for right, learning purposes only. Stop here. Live on the pod. <laughs> I need to tell my Auto GPT to stop opening stuff. Okay, it stopped itself. Okay. What you heard, folks, right there was what Kieran sounds like when he's panicked. Uh, There's a different tone in his voice that happens when he's panicked right there. Okay, so now that Kieran's laptop is maybe secured. What I was saying, Kieran, is that there's a lot of times where we are creating content when actually a web app would be better solution. So like, here, let me tell you how to do this thing versus having a web app to do that thing for you. And the reason we couldn't do that historically is because it's too expensive to pay somebody to build uh, this yes. custom web yeah, app yeah, for yeah, this yeah. thing. And now that the cost of web apps are becoming zero, we can do that. And so a lot of that like instructional-based content will go from this is how you do it to right. we have done it for you. That is a big shift. No, that's, I want to repeat that again. It's a big shift in the world of AI. We're going to go from how you do this, which is what we, how we think about most things today in marketing, to right. I will do this for you. And it's that somewhat is a big, interweaved big into the templates and prompts because all of the educational content can just be templatized prompts. But you know what I mean? Like you, you, actually, you actually don't need any yes. of the educational content. The two overlap a lot. Okay, we have so much stuff to cover. Kieran, have you seen the new AI readiness report yes. from Scaled.ai that just came out? Okay, so they surveyed 1,600 execs, and there's a bunch of interesting stuff, and I've got some saucy takes on some of these things. And one of the things that are interesting is the debate between open source and closed models. Like, are we going to have big open source models or is a closed model like ChatGPT where OpenAI controls the model, the data, everything? What's going to win? What do you think? Which model do you think is going to be more prevalent in the future, open source or closed source? I think AI for enterprise models? companies, closed source. I think for small businesses, open source. Freaking love that. You and I are on the, exactly the same page. Here's the chart that first made me lose my mind. Only, only, only... 37% of businesses in the next three years think that it is highly critical to invest I, in AI for their business. I, what, like, what, what, the, what the hell are people doing, man? And I'm like, I don't know how it's all not highly critical to Like if you actually think everybody. about it, like six months to see the majority of businesses say that this is somewhat critical, like they're... But it hasn't been six months. It's been six months since OpenAI blew up, yes. But AI has been happening for like 12 years. Yeah, but decades, it wasn't real you know? to most businesses. I know we had OpenAI had APIs, but even Sam Altman said like no one was really using these things until we started to launch DALI. The fact that we are sub 50% as highly critical is I think that changes really rapidly. Oh, I, I, I agree. I'm just pointing out that if you're a business and you're watching this, I would put it in the highly critical bucket is my advice. What's interesting is that a lot of the boring industries are going to be leaning into AI. Insurance, supply chain management, financial services, healthcare. And this goes to my big, big thing. 
If you look at the top's use cases, you know what they are, Kieran? They're money saving, not money making. If you are listening to this show, watching this show on YouTube, I think the biggest opportunity in AI is not money saving, it's money making. All of these claims processing, fraud detection, they are trying to save you money, reduce risk, reduce expense off your balance sheet, because that's where the economic climate is right now. I think AI has much bigger potential to transform how your sales team operates, how your marketing team generates leads, demand, customers, all of those things. And there's much more opportunity in making money than saving money. Do you I agree think or disagree both. with Karen? Well, it's both, but I'm arguing that making money is the bigger of I the two I think AI is potentially incredibly deflationary. And the way that companies will be much more profitable is to make their companies much, much leaner. Are you agreeing with me or disagreeing with me? Are you thinking AI is better for saving money? I think in a lot of cases, it's better for saving money. But then there's like use cases and jobs that you cannot do today or things that you cannot sell today because they are not possible that AI will make possible. There's new businesses that will be created through AI and they are money making. And then there are existing businesses that will integrate AI and they will be money saving. Look, I think that even the existing businesses, the ones that spend more of their time on money making versus money saving will have the bigger upside. It doesn't mean that you're not going to save money. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get leaner. But the problem with using AI to save money is that you have a fixed set of expense, right? Like, you know, you spend a million dollars on this thing a year and you're like, oh, I can use AI to save half of it. So you have a cap on what you can achieve. You can only save half a million dollars in that example, right? When it comes to money making, your potential yeah, but is but I'm struggling uncapped. to see how you can differentiate those things. Let me give you like, yeah, I'm a please, company, please, I have a 100-person sales team. And I'm like, okay, well, I want AI to make my sales team much, much more efficient. I think what I'm going to end up with is a smaller sales team and a better sales funnel. You could argue there's two ways of looking at this. You could argue, hey, I'm going to meet my existing sales quota with less cost because my sales reps are going to become more productive. Or I believe I could make all of the sales reps I have three times more productive and I'm going to triple my revenue. Right? That's what was a perfect example. And I think the latter is the so bigger I agree opportunity. With that for first movers. This is the, my point that I made in a previous show, which is like, oh, uh, yeah. For I, first I, I buy movers, this. I buy there this. has never been a potential better time to integrate this and land grab. By the time the laggards integrate AI, I don't think that opportunity exists because it just becomes, again, come back to the very thing I started with the incentives reduced for everyone. And so everyone is like left yeah. in a worse situation. And that's a lot of go-to-market tactics. Like they reduce it. Someone gets an advantage at the start and then it gets leveled out over the longer term. I think that's what's going to happen. So I agree. I think if I was in the first mover, which I think we are, I would just focus on like, how do I have 110X engineers versus having 10 engineers who can do the job of like 100? I would keep my 100 engineers and I'd be like, okay, well, I can actually just like try to win this market and land grab really rapidly here. I love that. One last piece of data from the Scale.ai report, and this is a shout out. I've got a thread pulled up here from at non-Mayor Pete on Twitter. But one of the things we keep talking about pushing on with AI is that AI is only as good as the data that the model has. And that companies are reporting that they still have major, major data issues. And the two biggest data issues are data quality. So they have data, but the data is not good. It's not accurate. It's not cleaned up. And then data collection. They're just also having problems getting that data. Billion dollar business right? idea. Like, I'm telling you, billion dollar business is, idea. Like company, massive. company comes in oh, and ooh, basically sucks in all the data. It. And it's like a CRM for your data for AI models. So it can come oh, in, yeah. suck in the data and organize it in a way that's going to be useful for AI models to train on top of. 
I think DBT Labs and a bunch of people are working on those. Like a lot of the data companies in the tech space are working on that. But like it's whoever huge. leads that is it's a huge opportunity. They're going to be right. very, very successful. Kieran, what's crazy about this? We've been talking already and we haven't talked about maybe the biggest story of the last couple of days in that Google is reinventing itself. They have put a brand new team of people to try to rebuild Google search in right. an AI world. What the hell's going on? What do you think about I it? Have Give me been your take. right about this since the very <laughs> first time we played with ChatGPT. Oh, what's that sound, everybody? Oh, that's Kieran taking a victory lap. Right. That's him running Everyone around. He's like, taking a victory oh, lap. Like, that's a toy, and they're going to integrate like these features into the search engine, and Google <laughs> will win. And Google may still win, but Google now realize they are not in a search engine war. They are in a natural language platform for the internet war. Yes. The Ooh, aggregator like of the aggregators war. And search is like commoditized in that because it is like part of that experience. It is not that experience. And so what they did was they were like, wait, they were like, Samson came to them and said, yo, we might just put Bing across all our devices because you are like the old school born search engine. And that's a $3 billion a year contract. Yeah. So explain that. Explain this to people. Samsung, what did Samsung rumor do? Rumor is it they are contemplating ripping out Google as a default search engine and add in Bing because Bing is cool. I told everyone Bing was going to be cool. I did the graphic with The Undertaker coming up, rising from the dead, and put Bing's name on it. And that is a $3 billion a year contract for Google. Now, apparently, that really shocked Google. Imagine it. They're sitting up in their ivory search tower. No one has ever questioned their throne. They have the iron throne. And then suddenly, someone comes and goes, yeah, but you aren't that cool anymore. We're going to use someone else. Bing. And so... well. Well, hold on, hold on, Kieran. You're missing the second part of this. Is If Samsung picked Bing over Google, it's not just the search distribution that Google loses. Samsung is running Android on most of those phones. And it basically puts the entire Android business mm, at I risk, didn't too. That, actually. I only thought about the $3 billion. Right? <laughs> it's a double whammy. And you know Saatchi at Microsoft's being like, cool, yeah. well, Samsung, give me that search business, and then I'll put Windows OS on all of your phones, and we'll just kill not just Google search, it's but a Android, signal. too. It's a signal that Google is like, okay, wake up. It's crazy. And so they put 160 people on and you search experience. But I want to be really clear in the language they use, because this wasn't we're going to integrate AI. This was we are going to reimagine what search is. And that is the point that, that I have yes. been making repeatedly, that the blue links, click, 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 is a historical way that we used to retrieve information and is not going to be the way we retrieve information in the future. Kieran, I still think our best marketing against the grain swag idea is just a hoodie that says click, legacy click. and has blue links yeah. below it. Because <laughs> like, it's just like the if old you want way of that doing jumper it. hoodie, add a comment into the YouTube and we will get you that yeah. hoodie. Comment on YouTube. If, if, if you want that as the first MATG swag, and so let they us want know. to reimagine search. And so the, the big thing about that is we talked to Neil Patel. We had him on the show. You can go back and listen to that episode. Good episode. It was a great episode. Just came out. We went through ChatGPT. Does it crush search and advertising? Neil is on the side that Google is going to weather this storm and SEO, everything is all good. But the one thing we did talk about in that that is part of this PR release is there may be a different way for Google to monetize its experience outside of search, which is through transactions. Because now they can be the aggregator of aggregators, which means like Booking.com and Kayak. And why do you need any of this yes. when you have a natural language platform that can do all of this stuff for you? I can just tell it what to do and it goes and does it for me. Yeah. We talked about this on the show with Neil where bids are going to move from bidding on advertisements to bidding on, on revenue share in the transactions. And I think that is a big part of the future of search. So Google 
ChatGPT, AutoGPTs, Samsung. There's a lot of these market pressures that are forcing Google to reinvent search. And Kieran, there's another angle to this. You know what I've been hearing rumors about? That Meta and Mark Zuckerberg, they're making some big AI progress behind the scenes and that they are going to be making some big announcements soon around their own AI developments. So it's not that just that Google has to contend with OpenAI and Microsoft. Meta is being very aggressive in this game from everything I'm hearing. And I think you and I are going to be doing an emergency pod sometime soon on all of the meta Do you know AI the meme where the party and you have the guy with the drink in the corner and they always have like, they, they don't know, <laughs> yes. like I'm a Bitcoin trader and everyone's ignoring him. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like that's in, in Facebook now, that's like the metaverse is like, they don't know I'm still working on the metaverse. Zuckerberg's like, I'm going to win AI so that then I can go back and invest in the metaverse. But in all, in all seriousness, Facebook has one of the most unique data sets in the world. And so they already have Huge. that advantage in AI. And so that's what makes anything they do on AI so critically important and so important for anybody in the business and marketing world. Like that will be a must watch, must. Kieran and I will have to like wake up in the middle of the night and do that pod, whatever we need to do. Because I think that is going to be one of the bigger pieces of AI news over the next couple of months is going to be what Facebook does. And then I think next is going to be how Google handles Google I.O. What is Google going to do at Google I.O. around AI? I think are going to be two very interesting plot lines of the next well, The word in the street is they're going to launch Project Magi, Maggie, which is this Magi. Is Magi. It, Magi? <laughs> it makes more sense than Maggie. It's Magi. It's okay. Everybody watching just know Kieran pronounces everything wrong. It's fine. And if you try to look at anything based on how he says it, you're going to find some weird, weird, Please weird stuff. Please tell your colleagues that you were watching Kip and Kieran and you've heard all about Project Maggie. All right. So they're going to release Project Maggie and they're going to give it, they're going to give a million people sense. access. And so that is like what well, apparently there's going to okay. be like a million people, which I'm sure what I doubt. I'm sure you and I are not going to well, be in that million people. I can categorically confirm that I will not get access because I'm based in Ireland and we don't get anything. We're not allowed to have anything. So that's what they're going to do. I feel like I'm out of breath from everything that is happening in the world right now and the just pace of which we just went through everything on today's show. I think our big lessons here is that auto GPTs are a glimpse into the future of what AI is going to be able to do and how they're going to be able to transform businesses. They're not ready for prime time. See it trying to log into Kieran's passwords (laughs) and do all kinds of (laughs) sketchy stuff even on the show. The data from scale was super illuminating on just where businesses' heads are at. And one of the most interesting things to me is that data is still a huge problem for most businesses. And it's going to be one of the things that delays AI adoption for larger companies. And that's going to give the upstarts and the disruptors some advantages. And we are beyond interested to see what happens with Google and Meta over the next couple of months. There's a lots of rumors shaking around and we cannot wait to see when stuff goes live and share it all with you. Please hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. We love, love that you take the time, watch our show, leave us comments if there's any future topics or any questions you have. We'll see you real soon on Marketing Against the Grain.